You know, I, I don't know um, if, you know, for you to, who are non-Americans, if you've been a pay, paying attention to what's going on in America now, um, but it's, it's quite startling as an American uh, to see riots at the Capitol. Uh, also, to see the power of those who control information. And I don't want to talk specifically about America, but I just want to talk about the age that we're moving into. We're moving into a day when a, a handful of corporations and companies can control information. And it's hard to know what is true. You know, when we talk about fake news and, and narratives, because it, it seems that no matter what side people are on, there's an agenda. And there's evidence that is put forth and evidence that is hidden. And you know, it's hard to know, well, what exactly happened? And I think we're moving into a, a, a time, a, a period of, of life where it's going to be really important to discern what is, what is true and what's not true. And who do you listen to and who do you not listen to? Um, and, you know, propaganda is real. Lies are real. And it can spread. And so... I just want to say, as a, as a follower of Jesus, as, as someone who believes in Jesus, you need to be anchored to truth. And how can you know what is true? One, you want to just be discerning and not just believe whatever you read, whatever you see, um, and, and hold back before you, you make a judgment and say, okay, well, is this really the case? Uh, you know, it's easy to look at a tweet or or a photo or something and think, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened. Can you believe this? And then a week later it comes out that it wasn't true. And so we're, we're moving into a time where we have to discern what is true and what is not true. And, you know, one of the ways they, the way they train bankers or bank tellers to recognize counterfeit bills is not to study counterfeit money, but it's to handle the real thing is to handle the real money. And then as you become familiar with what is true, you can recognize what is false. And so I want to, you know, today we're talking about listening to the word of God. Jesus says that he is the truth. He is the truth. He says that his word, the scripture, every word is true. No word proves false. And so Knowing the word of God, knowing Jesus, knowing that truth, being anchored in that truth will help you to identify what is false. Does that make sense? If you're anchored to one thing that is true, it will help you to discern other things that are false. People are being whipped up emotionally and the, the reaction, the you know, the anger, the violence, the slander, the gossip, every, it, it just flies all around, and we need to be anchored to the truth. Jesus is talking to the crowds. There are crowds who come and see him, but he speaks to them in parables. And today we're looking at a, a series of, of parables, and I believe there are there are three realities that he teaches and three choices that we can make. Three realities and three choices in these parables. So one, the first one, if you have your Bible open, Matthew 4, 21, says, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket 
or under a bed and not on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now, right before, if we remember last week, that Jesus said, and in, well, we talked about it last week, but it's in the same chapter in verse 10. It says, uh, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest anything should be turn, turn, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So it, it would be easy to look at that and say, Jesus, you want to hide things from people? Do you not want people to understand the truth of the kingdom? And so that, what is, that's what Jesus is speaking to. But he, he's saying, if you have a lamp, what do you do with it? You put it on a stand so people can see. And this is talking about a, a clay lamp filled with olive oil. That it, you know, it's like the room light. If you have a light bulb in your room, you don't put, it under, <laughs> you don't put the light bulb under your bed. You put it on top of the ceiling so everybody can see when you turn it on. Jesus is the light, and he's saying that it's, it's secret now. There's a, a secrecy now. There's a hiddenness now. People did not fully understand that Jesus was the Messiah because Jesus needed to die. The expectations they had was that he would come and conquer as the king, that he would overthrow Rome. And so if they would have said, oh, he's the Messiah anointed by God, they would have expected him to conquer the Roman army. But Jesus came to conquer death first. And so there was a hiddenness. But it will be exposed. And so when Jesus died on the cross through his resurrection, now it's not meant to be hidden. It's not meant to be secret. It's meant to give light. And so the, the reality is Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is light for all. He's, he's not to be secret. He's not to be hidden. He's not to be covered. He is for all. The next reality we see, Jesus, he says in 23, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added. For to the one who has, more will be given. The one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So there, there's a spiritual reality here that if you pay attention and you listen, God will give you more understanding. If you are casually indifferent to what you hear... Even the understanding you have, you'll lose. It's a spiritual reality, a spiritual principle that if you seek understanding, God gives it. But if you're careless with what you hear, you lose it. How does that that work? Well, let's, you know, one of the one of the things Jesus says is if you want to be forgiven, forgive. Forgive others so that the, your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, uh, not everybody likes that, right? Not everybody likes to hear, I need to forgive. If I want to be forgiven, I need to forgive. And, and what will happen is, is you know, as a, a pastor, this is an issue that I regularly help people work through, the issue of forgiveness. Because everybody's been hurt. Everybody's been um, you know, gone through things where someone has done something to them that's caused deep pain. I don't think I've met anyone who's never had to forgive someone. 
And so we all have to deal with this. It's a common thing. But sometimes people say, well, I don't want to do that. Maybe someday I'll forgive. Maybe someday. Yeah, and I'll say, but Jesus, Jesus says we need to forgive if we want to be forgiven. And what happens is sometimes people, you know, they'll respond, well, maybe someday when I'm ready. And what is that? It's not hearing what Jesus is saying. It's ignoring it. It's saying I get to vote on whether or not to obey Jesus. What happens is that person, as they, as they refuse to forgive, as they hold on to their anger and bitterness, they're not going to draw closer to Jesus. They're not going to grow spiritually. It's going to stop them. And not only are they not going to grow, what will happen is their heart becomes harder. And they forget that even Jesus wants them to forgive, and they'll go on for years with the anger and the unforgiveness and the bitterness in their heart. And so instead of being able to forgive and grow and move forward, they actually move backwards. That's just one example, but Jesus is saying that if you don't act on what you hear, you lose it. But if you will act on what you hear, God will actually give you more understanding. And so if you're saying, man, I want to understand this. I want to know what God wants me to do. What you have to do is just move forward with what you have. Move forward with the understanding you have. God will add to it. So the reality, Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is a light to shine. If we hear If we listen, we get more. If we don't listen, we lose what we have. And the next reality we see in these two parables is the kingdom grows. The gospel grows. So let's let's look at that one. He he two parables that basically say the same thing. And it ties into what we talked about last week. Says the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground, he sleeps, rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, for <laughs> you're like, okay, okay, that's how it grows. That's how it grows. What's the point? What's the point there? Well, what did the farmer do once the seed was planted? What did the farmer do once the seed was planted? He didn't, he didn't even water it. He just sleeps. He just sleeps. So he didn't do anything, but there was power in the seed itself to grow. The seed landed in the soil, and it could grow. And Jesus said, this is the kingdom of God. Remember, the heart is the soil. And so the, what Jesus is teaching us is the kingdom of God, the, the gospel, his word is so powerful that if it gets into our hearts, it'll grow. There is a, a man named Hudson Taylor. He was a, a missionary. Anybody, I know there's got to be some people who've heard of Hudson Taylor. He, uh, he's British. He was, uh, died in 1905, so I think he was born in 1832, so a, a while back, a while back. Um, he was a young man. He had Christian parents, and his parents, uh, you know, were praying for him, but he, he was 16, 17, he, he doesn't want to follow Jesus. He doesn't want Christianity. What's the, what, how is it relevant to my life? And so his parents are praying and praying, and he, he's hearing about Jesus. He's hearing that Jesus died on the cross 
for his sins for the whole world, but, but it doesn't mean anything to him. He wants to live his life. You know, and, and maybe you're like that when you were a teenager, or maybe you know a teenager who's like that. But that's what he was like. But then one day, he, just, he wanted to read, and he went into a room, and he found a little booklet. And on the, that booklet, he's, he's just flipping through it, and there, it's a, a booklet about Jesus, and it, there was a sentence, and it was the finished work of Christ. The finished work of Christ. And he, he says, the thought passed through my mind. Why does the author use this expression? Why not say the atoning work of Christ? And immediately the words, it is finished, suggested themselves to my mind. So he's just sitting there flipping through. It is finished. It's thin his mind. And at, he says, at, at once I reply, or he asked the question, what was finished? What was finished? And at once... What came to his mind, a full and perfect atonement and satisfaction for sin. The debt was paid by the substitute. Christ died for our sins and not for ours also, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, where did, where did that come from? He's not a believer. Somehow, when he was in church or when he was with his parents, the truth got planted in his heart. And it was there. It was there. And that one question, what was finished? What was finished? Draws it out. And so he, he knows what the truth is. What was finished? Jesus died for sin once and for all as a sacrifice to make me right with God. And he says, well, then if it's finished, what's left for me to do? And he realized that the only thing left for him to do was to receive Jesus. And then to praise him. And so right there, right in that room, he accepted Christ. Now his mom had been praying. His dad had been praying. There was, there was power in the word of God that was planted in his heart. And there was a moment where the harvest came, where it grew. And he came to Christ. Just hearing the word. Now Hudson Taylor uh, became a Christian in that moment. He, he followed, decided to follow Jesus in that moment. But the next parable illustrates what happens. Jesus says, uh, what can we compare the kingdom of God to? Or what parable shall we use it? It's like a grain of mustard seed when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Now, Jesus is not giving a lesson on botany, on plants. There are smaller seeds than the mustard seed in the Amazon rainforest. He's, he's, he's using hyperbole, okay? Um, some people may say, well, that's not scientifically true. I can't believe Jesus. But he, he's using it as an illustration, not teaching science class. Now it says, when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, puts out large branches so the birds of the air can make nests, in its shade. The mustard seed is tiny. It's this tiny seed, but you put it in and it grows big enough that birds can make a home there. Now, what's interesting is the mustard plant in the Middle East is a weed. It's like a weed. It's invasive. It just, it grows and it grows and it grows and, you know, it keeps spreading. Have you ever had weeds in a place that you're trying to keep clean? Or you, maybe you have flowers or, or maybe you have other 
plants or grass, but there's, there's weeds that keep popping up. They just won't stop. Jesus is saying the gospel is like that. He didn't say the gospel is like a weed. I guess that would be a little bit uh, not quite as poetic. <laughs> not quite as, but essentially it's once it gets going, you can't stop it. And it may start really, really small, but it will grow and grow and grow and grow. And I think Hudson Taylor's life really uh, shows us what that's like because he went, to, he went to China and he was a missionary there. He was a medical missionary. At that time, uh, missionaries only stayed near the coast. They wouldn't go inland. They wouldn't go away from the expat communities. And they expected the Chinese to become like Westerners, to re- become Christ. So they would wear their Western, their European clothing in 19th century China. Hudson Taylor was the first one to adopt Chinese dress. And he would wear his hair like Chinese men. He would wear their clothing and he would go out. And you know, he, he caused a, a ruckus in the, the mission community because they didn't like what he was doing. And so he ended up starting his own organization called the China Inland Mission. And what happened is he went and he, rec- he recruited uh, missionaries, and he started with 24 missionaries. And his, his heart was that each province, each area would have two missionaries. So there, I think at that time there were 12 provinces, and his goal was let's get a missionary, let's get two missionaries every province so every part of China can hear the gospel. Now, can you imagine 24 people trying to reach China? Right? It, it, it seemed, no way, no way. Well, it went from 24 to 120, and it, it grew, and it grew, and it grew. Five years before his death, there were 30,000 Christians in China. Okay, so 1900. 1900, 30,000 Christians in China. That's a pretty small seed. I mean, you know, you got a handful of missionaries... 30,000 people. You know how many missionary or how many Christians there were in, in 2010? Estimated 105 million. 105 million. So this, this tiny seed of the gospel gets planted. A few people and Hudson Taylor is not the only one. His organization is not the only one. But if you think about a handful of people, a movement of 30,000 becoming 105 million in 100 years. See, that, that's the gospel. It's powerful. It's invasive. It, it doesn't stop. There's so much power once it gets going to change people to change nations. And and China's not the only nation. Uganda is another example. Mid-19th century, there were almost no Christians in Uganda. And there was an explorer named Henry Stanley who shared the gospel with the king of Uganda. And it was the first time the gospel had been shared in Uganda. And so they, I think it was 1872. And and so he, he wrote a letter to the Queen of England and asked that missionaries would come who could teach uh, the Ugandans uh, they, you know, that they would be skilled in engineering, skilled in building, so they could bring these things to the Ugandan people while sharing the gospel. And there were eight missionaries who came, and only one of them survived. 
the others died or went back because their health was broken. And so, you know, it started basically there's one guy, Alexander McKay. He was Scottish. And he, he stayed until he eventually died in Uganda. But they went from zero Christians to now Uganda's as high as 80% Christian in a century, 140 years. Why? Because the gospel starts small, but once it takes hold, it grows and it grows and it grows. Once, once you get the word of God in your heart, if you listen to it, it changes everything. And, and Jesus is he's saying, you know, it grows. So there's the three principles. Jesus is for everyone. It's uh, pay attention and what you have will grow in the gospel itself grows. And so what what does that mean for us? What what do we have to do? Because I think there are three choices. Jesus gives us truth and then we have choices to make. One is how am I going to listen? How am I going to listen? Because we you know, I, when I was in uh, in school, I went in college. I, I had to go to chapel three days a week. I had to go to chapel and um, my freshman year, I, I wasn't really excited about chapel. There were s- some days where it was really boring. Some were exciting, some were very boring. And I was a, a freshman in college, and it was easy for me to fall asleep. And uh, it was around that time. Anybody remember the movie Apollo 13? You know, like they have to figure out how to get back to Earth. And so they had to figure out what can we shut down? What, what doesn't need power to make it back? And I would tell myself, uh, my eyes do not need to be open. My ears can still be powered. And um, inevitably, I would fall asleep in chapel. I would be there. I'd be there physically. There would be a sermon that was being preached. But as I shut down my eyes, I shut down my ears. And I have no idea what was said but I was physically present. And then I remember coming across this verse. And to he, you know, if you listen, more will be given. But if not, even what you have will be lost. And I realized that it was spiritually dangerous for me to sit in chapel and not listen because I was going to lose what I was hearing. And so by my senior year, my last year, I had totally changed. I said, I need to listen to what's going on because I don't want to lose what I have. I don't want to lose more. So what Jesus, he says, listen, let, you know, hear this, pay attention. So what is the choice we have to make? The choice, one that we have to make is is think about what you've heard. Because it's easy to sit here, to sit in the chair Listen to me for 30 minutes and forget about it as soon as you walk out, right? I mean, that's probably never happened to you. It's only when I listen to other people preach. It happens to me. It's, it's possible. I may be the only one. I may be the only one. It's possible to sit in a service, hear it, and forget it. But Jesus says, pay attention. How does he want us to pay attention? One thing he wants us to do is think about it, is to think it through. What are the implications of this? What does it mean? So, for example, um, if, 
you know, one of the, the shocking statements that Jesus makes in the Sermon on the Mount is he says, you've heard that, this is Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And we said, yeah, yeah, if you murder, you're going to get judged. That makes sense, right? We're, we all understand that. Then it, but then he says, but I say to you, everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Wait a second. We went from murder to anger. And then he says, whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says, you fool, literally, it means you, you empty head, you idiot, you stupid, you moron, will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus starts with murder, and then he says, if you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of hell. Now, it's possible to hear that, and one of the ways we can hear that is say, oh, yeah, that's interesting. That's not very practical when I'm talking about politicians or celebrities or my coworkers, or my boss, or that driver who just cut me off in traffic. Right? Do you see how, how we hear it, but then we just ignore it? Have you ever said a politician is an idiot? That idiot. I would I'd make a joke about the last four years. No. But it's too dangerous. Okay, so we hear it. We hear it. And I think it's something that we all do. But Jesus says it. He says, look, if you call someone an idiot, you're in danger. You're in danger. How does God want us to hear that, to think through? Well, you know, why do I call people idiots? Why do I actually do that? This is how you think it through. What situations do I call people idiots so if i'm in traffic and someone cuts me off and i'm say you idiot why do i do that well it may be because i want people who don't know me to respect me you respect my space you respect my driving you and so the the root issue is i actually have an issue with respect and my anger is coming out of this need this desire for respect if it's i call my you know, someone at, at uh, a, a store, an idiot, because they don't give me the service that I want. And I just tell my friend, you wouldn't believe the idiot at, at Sogo. What, what's my root issue there? It's pride, arrogance, believing that I should get something I'm not getting. Do you see that the words are just the fruit of the heart? And by calling someone an idiot, I'm denying the the image of God within them. It's a a serious thing. But Jesus wants us to actually, he, he says, you hear it, but do you think about it? To act it out. Why am I doing this? Is it fear? Is it pride? Is it because I'm losing control? And so me calling someone a name is a way to force them to do what I want them to do. We have to think it through. And then as we think it through and we understand what are the implications, the implication of what Jesus is saying is that you're in 
you do not want to call someone like Donald Trump an idiot or someone like Xi Jinping an idiot or someone like President Tsai. We can think of politicians as being in a separate class, that it's okay, it's okay, because they're politicians. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, don't do this. Right as he says, do not murder. See, that's something that it's easy not to think about, not to act on, not to listen, not to hear. And, and we like to hear, we gravitate towards forgiveness and salvation and the cross and mercy and, and grace. And we don't realize that the same Jesus who tells us how we can meet with the Father tells us, do not call people idiots or you're in danger of hell. Because it's showing contempt for someone who is made in the image of God. And so if I hear that, I want to think through it. Now, it doesn't mean we need to just blindly accept whatever anyone says or does or approve of it. But we, we don't insult them or mock them. And so if I think this through, and, and the reality is, okay, now that I've thought it through, now that I've... I've recognize that I'm doing it, and then the situations that I'm doing it, now I need to take action. It does me no good to say, yep, yep, I call people idiots. I'm not supposed to do that. Now I need to take action, and that action is repentance. Repentance is when I recognize that what two things. One, what I am doing is in conflict with Jesus' teaching. Or I'm not doing what Jesus teaches me to do. So one is I'm doing it and it's in conflict. So if I'm calling people idiots, I'm in conflict with Jesus' teaching. I need to, that's sin, I need to repent. And repentance is is being sorrowful and saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry that I look at people this way. I'm sorry that I deny your image in them. I'm sorry that I pour out my anger at them. Will you forgive me? And then it's committing not to do that anymore. See, when Jesus says, listen, if you have ears, hear, pay attention, he, he doesn't want you to just write it out on a test. He actually wants you to live it out. He wants you to live it out. And it's that thinking it through and then taking action. And the reaction is repentance turning away from it and turning toward what Jesus wants us to do. When we hear something and we don't understand, then we want to seek it out. We want to say, God, well, how? How do I do this? Because maybe, maybe you're in a place where Everybody in your family called people names, and it, it just was normal. It's the normal dinner table conversation. It's just name-calling the people out there, not necessarily your family, but the people in other places, and, and that's just the way you grew up. And it, it maybe, you know, every, every third sentence out of your mouth is an insult. And you're like, I came to Jesus, but I have this background in insulting people. And so how do you overcome that? What, 
you, if you realize I keep getting tripped up in this area, then you want to say, Jesus, you want to seek out the truth. This is acting on what you've heard. What is going to change my heart? So if I get angry because people don't give me what I want, and so I insult them in order to control them or manipulate them into giving me what I want, th- there's a deeper issue there. There's a deeper insecurity. And so if insecurity is the issue that I need this person to serve me with excellence so that I know I'm worthy, does that make sense? My issue is worthiness. And stopping my language is not going to solve that problem, but what will solve that problem? When I understand who I am in Christ when I understand that I'm a child of God, when I understand that he's with me, as I understand that truth, that starts to pull the anger out of me. And then if, you know, let's say I'm angry at Samuel. I'm angry at Sam, and I'm, Sam, you're da-da-da-da. If I will start to say, okay, who is Sam in God's eyes? How much love does God have for some? How much love does God have for the clerk? who's standing at the counter, the construction worker, the the driver. There's so much love. And the more I understand the truth of how God feels about Sam, the more it takes the anger out of my heart. But I have to to go deeper. I have to seek that in the word. I, I can't just hear, don't call someone an idiot on Sunday. And then go out and say, well, what's for lunch, guys? Because if I, if I do that, and I think if we're honest, if we're honest, we all do that at least one Sunday a year. Sometimes I forget what I preach two days later. <laughs> but, but we need to take action. We need to think it through. And, and the principle is as we do that, we get more understanding. So we think about it. We act on it when we understand it. We, we repent. We seek out more truth. And then, of course, we obey. We actually start to do it. We stop calling people names. But then the third thing is, is we see at the very end of this, the, the third choice that we need to make is it says, Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So revelation, understanding God's word comes in relationship to Jesus. Understanding God's word comes when you are close to Jesus. So how do we hear? How do we get ears to hear? You spend time with Jesus. And Jesus actually says in John, he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus is saying that if you obey, he will make his home with you. He, he will be right there with you. Have you ever gone to someone's house where you don't feel welcome? You know, you come in and, and you know, like it only takes you a minute to figure out that they don't want you there. And, and you're just kind of awkwardly waiting for the moment you can get out. 
But then how do you feel when you go to your mom's house or your dad's house? How do you feel when you, you know, it's been a year, you walk in, you walk into that house and what do you do? You don't ask, mom, can I sit here? (laughs) Mom, is it okay if I get something to drink from the refrigerator? (laughs) It's your home. Jesus is saying he's not going to be like a, a stuffy guest. He will make his home with you if you will obey him, if you will say yes to him. And, and, and we could panic and say, well, what do I need to obey? What do I need to obey? What, am I obeying enough? I think what Jesus wants is for us to respond to what we understand now. What do I understand now? And I say yes to that, what's in front of me. So one of the things that you've heard today is don't call people idiots, <laughs> right? So just respond to that. And there may be other parts of your language that God is not pleased with. He will show you. He will show you, but it may be right now today that that is a word you need to eliminate from your vocabulary. And so just start with that. Jesus says, listen, pay attention to what you hear. When you hear it, act on what you hear. Think it through. When you, you know, there are no points for just reading the Bible. You can read the Bible and close it, and it does nothing. Like Jesus, he doesn't have a stopwatch and say, well, Dior read the Bible for 30 minutes today. Gold star. gold star there no there are no gold stars in heaven for for reading the bible you read the bible to know god and to obey it i would rather listen to one verse i would rather have you read one verse think about it and act on it than read the entire gospel of john and do nothing about it does that make sense you could read through the entire Bible, but if you don't act on it, it doesn't mean anything. But you could, what is it? A seed. It's a seed. Jesus says it's so powerful. It's so powerful that it bears fruit. Th- this, this one seed, not to insult people, that if you allow that to get into your heart, if you allow that to live within you, it could utterly transform your relationships. Just that one thing. Why? Because if you start thinking it through, you start thinking, okay, why doesn't God want me to call people stupid? Well, because he, he loves every person. He's given every person dignity. His desire is that each person would come to know Christ, and if you're calling them stupid, you're not going to help God in that mission. Your heart is going to be turned against them, and, and he's not going to be able to use you. But then you turn and you say, okay, this person who drives me absolutely crazy, who, who doesn't seem competent, who, who doesn't do what they're supposed to do, who I would normally call an idiot, okay, I'm not supposed to do that. What am I supposed to do? And then you start realizing, okay, the power of life and death is in the tongue. So how can I bring life? How can I bring life? And you start to affirm about the person. What is okay? What do they do well? And maybe, you're, you know, it's a, a classmate who's, who does a presentation with you, and it was, it was lousy. 
and, and, and their grammar was wrong, and there's missing slides, and it's, and it's late. But the one, thing they, the one thing they did was pick a good color for the slides. <laughs> and instead of calling them an idiot, you, you say, you know what? You have an eye for color. <laughs> I, it, it, sounds, it sounds stupid. But what is, what is the difference? What is the difference if, if I say to Sam, Sam, I can't believe, you know, I, I don't even want to say the words, but if I were to say, Sam, you're such an idiot. How did you screw up on this presentation? As opposed to, you know what, Sam, I really appreciate the time that you put into choosing the design of the slides. Now, now what... How, if I call him an idiot, how does it change things moving forward? Does it, does it fix my grade? It, it doesn't do anything for the moment. But what does it do for the future? I'll do it in the future. I, it may be. It may be. But you know what? If, if Sam really screwed up, he probably knows it. He probably knows it. But if I affirm what is right and what is good, it gives an opportunity for him to grow. It also strengthens the relationship. Because if I just see him as, as my, my group partner, and I do not see him as an eternal being that Jesus loves, I'll use him as a tool. But if my perspective is that God loves him, and this presentation is not eternal, but he is... I will value him. But if I'm coming at him and about to say he's an idiot, God can't use me. God can't speak through me. God can't minister to me. God has to find someone else. And and this works for our children, for for your brothers, for your sister. You know, I mean, my, my boys, sometimes they do things that are not smart. And if I call them names, I will destroy them. But I need, to, I need to pick out the things that are good, and I need to speak life into them. So you respond. Because if you get that one truth, if you get that one truth, it will change your relationships. And your relationships change, and your life changes. And Someone who's always burning bridges down, burning relationships to the ground... They're not going to go far in life, are they? And they're wondering why they're stuck in the job. Well, because they've burned everybody around them. But you understand that we don't, I don't use that language. I use language that brings life. Your whole life opens up. Does that, is this making sense? It's so, Jesus is saying, this is the kingdom of God. It's so powerful that once it takes root, once it takes root, it spreads. This is why that one phrase, it is finished, took root in Hudson Taylor's life. And then 100 years later, 120 years later, 50 years later, there's 105 million Christians in China. That's how powerful the gospel is if we have ears to hear.
the gospel has power. But we have the power to choose how we listen. The gospel has power. But if you don't listen, all that power will be dormant. If you do listen, it will grow and grow and grow and grow and transform your life, transform those around you, and can even transform nations. Think about what you've heard. Act on what you've heard. And remember that revelation comes through relationship with Jesus. Draw near to him and you'll learn more. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would hear your word and that we would have ears to hear, that it wouldn't just go over our head, that it wouldn't just go through us. I pray that we would be changed by the word. I pray that we would think about it. I pray that we would um, that we would act upon it. And Lord, I pray that we would draw near to you. Father, I ask that, that there would be someone like Hudson Taylor in TIC, that even right now that you would plant the seed in their heart that would grow to change a nation. Lord, we thank you that your word is so powerful. Help us to love it. In Jesus' name, amen.